Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. How's it going, everybody? This is Let's Talk Sports. Uh, not with Kanoa Leahy, obviously, if you could tell by the voice. Uh, Tanner Hayworth in for Kanoa Leahy, just filling in for him once again, you know. Got to do my due diligence around here. 808-296-1420 is that number to call or text us. Uh, today, we got a lot to talk about. Yesterday, we had the start, the official start of the UH sports season as the Rainbow Wahine soccer team uh, finished in a tie uh, with Utah Valley. That was the game to kick off the Outrigger uh, soccer kickoff uh, out at the YPO soccer complex. Uh, the tie, you know, it was 0-0 the first half. Uh, they had the first goal from Utah Valley in the 58th minute. And then Amber Gilbert, the sophomore forward, uh, came out in the last seven minutes of the game to get the clutch goal to keep it at 1-1. to And uh, Sophie Augustin, the goalkeeper, did an absolutely stellar dro- uh, job having six saves on 11 shots on the goal, I believe. So... Uh, awesome defensive job in the end. This was a Utah Valley team that was an NCAA tourney team, uh, I believe, last season. And they did good enough. Utah Valley looked very, very good on offense last night. So it's going to be uh, – or on the attack. Uh, but it's going to be another uh, game going on on Sunday at the YPO Soccer Complex for the Rainbow Wahine Soccer Team. That will be against Gonzaga. Uh, if you're out there, it's free admission, and that's going to be at 4 p.m. So a nice little afternoon game if you got some time uh, to chill out there in YPO. In other news today, the Big West put out their – preseason rankings for the for the uh, women's volleyball season and I know this will come as a big shocker but uh they voted Hawaii to win the Big West it was almost unanimous uh with one vote going to Long Beach State but I think at this point uh we all know that I you're not allowed to vote for your team I believe your own team so uh it this is an essentially a unanimous Hawaii at number one in my my eyes. Uh, of course, on the uh, all preseason first team included is Amber Iagidi, the reigning Big West Player of the Year. You also have setter Kate Lang, as well as uh, reigning freshman of the year, now as a sophomore, Kaitlin Alexander, the outside hitter uh, from Georgia. So it's going to be another Really great season, hopefully, for the Rainbow Wahine as they look to uh, repeat as the uh, 2020 as, to repeat as the Big West Women's Volleyball preseason. I believe that's three peat actually, because I think they won the year before as well. So it's a lot of expectations set for Robin Amo and her squad. Of course, not included, you know, to highlight the team. There's also the uh, senior outside hitter, Riley Wagner. You also have the transfer from uh, Youngstown, uh, Paula Gershing. And look, in 30 minutes, we're going to be talking with Tiff Wells, the pay- of course, the play-by-play caller for Rainbow Wahine Volleyball. I'm sure everyone knows where he broadcasts that here on ESPN Honolulu. And there's a lot to look forward to there. Last night in the NFL, there was the lone preseason game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Cleveland Browns. Now, why that comes to interest is Marcus Mariota. He was initially signed as the backup 
to Jalen Hurts. And in that game, in that 18-18 to tie, it is the second game in a row where the general consensus between the fans and NFL analysts is that rookie Tanner McKee from Stanford he outplayed Marcus Mariota. In the first half, he went 9 of 17 for 86 yards and an interception, uh, getting three sacks as well, ending his day on the quarterback rating of 42.8. And that one interception was kind of one of those where he was trying to get the ball over the defender so that he can get it into his wide receiver's hands, and he just sails it just a little too much, and it just goes perfectly into the hands of the Cleveland Browns free safety. And Tanner McKee in the second half, sure, you're going against probably the third-string defense for the Philadelphia Eagles at that point, but he goes 10 of 18 for 147 yards and a touchdown, finishes with a passer rating of 100.9. It's certainly kind of sad to see the progression or I guess the regression of Marcus Mariota the last couple of years. Of course, we all know his time in Tennessee where he was dealing with a lot of injury issues every single year. He had a brand new offensive coordinator. They were having him gain weight so that he wouldn't get injured as much. There was just a whole lot of issues going on in Tennessee with Marcus Mariota, and then he gets benched for Ryan Tannehill, and then immediately they see success, and I think they almost made the playoffs. I can't remember or if they went far. No, yeah, they made it into the playoffs, and they made a really great run in the playoffs, basically ending the time uh, as for Marcus Mariota as a Tennessee Titan. There, he made that move to uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, where he was the backup to Derek Carr because John Gruden liked him as a backup, used him on running occasions. He had that one game where Derek Carr got hurt, and he looked really good. Unfortunately, the game ended on an interception in overtime, so that was not that great for Marcus Mariota either. And then last year, where he had the opportunity to start for the entire season for the Atlanta Falcons. Now, the Atlanta Falcons weren't really out there trying to win games. I think we all know that. But if you're watching if you were watching the Atlanta Falcons last year or if you were an Atlanta Falcons fan first of all I got to feel sorry for you if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan out there it's not a lot of fun watching them right now but especially last year there was a whole lot of complaining about the performance of Marcus Mariota how he looks nowhere near obviously what he was as a Heisman quarterback but there were definitely times in where Desmond Ritter would come in he wouldn't do that much better but he's a rookie and he was playing pretty much at the same level as Marcus Mariota so it's another instance of oh okay well he won't be a starting quarterback anymore well if he just signs his backup somewhere and just does well enough in the preseason I think everyone is going to be fine he gets uh, signed to the Philadelphia Eagles and I think we all thought that this was a perfect spot for Marcus Mariota especially when you think about uh, that Philadelphia Eagles offense with Jalen Hurts it's a running first style offense with the ability for the quarterback to run Yet in the last two games, Marcus Mariota has looked 
incredibly disappointing against backup defenses out there. And when you have a guy behind you like Tanner McKee, who is not necessarily a Jalen Hurts-style runner, he's certainly not a Marcus Mariota-style runner, I wouldn't even say he's like a Dorian Thompson-Robinson style uh, of runner, the Cleveland Browns rookie quarterback, yet he still did good enough to at least have the Philadelphia Eagles end this in a tie. And it just felt just so kind of lackadaisical on the offensive side. It definitely puts worry into whether or not Marcus Mariota will even make the 53-man roster in the end. Now, is that overreacting? Sure. I think a lot of teams are going to keep three quarterbacks on roster, especially when you saw a lot of the uh, the situation that went on with the San Francisco 49ers when they had both Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson go down in the playoffs, and they ba- and they just had to like hope that I think it was Brock Purdy came back out, but he just couldn't throw the ball. Everyone wants a third quarterback on roster now, so maybe Marcus will stay on the team, but I just wouldn't feel as confident having him out there for an injured Jalen Hurts, I think, that I would with an injured Tanner McKee. Uh, 808-296-1420 is that number to call or text us. Um, I had to pre-read text before I decide to try to transition to a text. Um, I think that's a lesson for me in the future there. But going on with the NFL today, we have a couple of more games going on. Uh, we have on the – I think this is either going to be on K5. If it's not there, then it will be on the NFL Network. You have the Panthers and the Giants uh, taking place at 1 p.m. That's going to be the Bryce Young versus maybe Daniel Jones. I'm not sure. I don't think they'll play their starters uh, yet for the New York Giants, but there's certainly a lot to look forward to just watching the number one overall pick in Bryce Young for the Carolina Panthers. And the only other game going on today in the NFL are the Cincinnati Bengals versus the aforementioned Atlanta Falcons, where uh, Desmond Ritter is available to play. I think he will play. And for the Cincinnati Bengals, the guy to watch there is Punahou, uh former Punahou graduate and Princeton grad. You have Andre Yosibosh, who was the leading receiver in last week's game. He's got a lot of hype going for him. So that's someone to be looking out for if you uh, happen to catch the highlights of this game because I don't believe it's being broadcasted uh, pretty much anywhere going on right now. Uh, But when you think about the NFL going on today, there's some breaking news that was going on where – the Baltimore Ravens have made the decision to sign Jadavian Clowney to a one-year deal. It'll maybe reach $6 million based on incentives, but the Baltimore Ravens are in this now new kind of limbo mode of you have to compete and you don't necessarily know what your team is right now. Of course, we know the Baltimore Ravens as a perennial playoff team, yet with Lamar Jackson, they really haven't been able to reach the hump of the AFC Championship game. I believe the last couple of times they've been in the playoffs, they've either been knocked out in the first round by guys like the Tennessee Titans, the um, I think the Cincinnati Bengals knocked them out last year, or they couldn't make it past the Buffalo Bills in the second round. So they really have yet to make that AFC Championship game something you know basically where it's like, the Baltimore Ravens versus the Chiefs, and the Chiefs 
just have the AFC championship AFC championship game on lockdown every single year it seems but with the Baltimore Ravens their issue right now is trying to build a team around a guy like Lamar Jackson they've done a lot of stuff in the offseason to ensure that he would you know resign and stop holding out and not demand a trade from the Baltimore Ravens. I'm sure that's a storyline we've all forgotten about at this point. But they have signed guys like Odell Beckham. They drafted a really solid receiver in the draft in Zay Flowers. And the next worry is building up that defense to be somewhat similar to the Baltimore Ravens defense of a couple of years ago. Back when they were a team that was feared because of their defense. I remember when they had uh, Calais Campbell doing what he was doing in Jacksonville. Up in Baltimore, you had a really solid uh, cornerback duo of Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. You had Earl Thomas out there. It was a very elite defense, but in the last couple of years, they've really kind of gone away from that, especially in the first half of this year, and mostly due to injuries as well. But mostly in the first half of this year, it was another disappointing year for the defense. But as the year went on, They traded for Roquan Smith from the Chicago Bears, possibly one of the best off-ball linebackers in the NFL. And just by having him out on the field, that defense became a lot more elite. They got so they have at the linebacking core of Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, another uh, former first rounder out of LSU. That linebacker duo has now become elite. You have two solid safeties and Marcus Williams and the rookie from last year, Kyle Hamilton, who had an absurdly disgusting uh, passer rating allowed like he was not good at the beginning of the year in terms of pass coverage, but he's still a really solid safety um, once you get past the pass coverage, if he's ever in, like, man in the nickel and all that good stuff. The one worry right now is the usual worry for the Baltimore Ravens, and it's injuries. Uh, I think it was last week you saw Marlon Humphrey, their star corner, go down with an injury. It's nothing uh, majorly severe. It's good enough to sideline him for a couple of weeks, and it was a good enough injury for them to go out and sign a guy like Ronald Darby out of free agency just to add depth to that cornerback room to make sure that they can at least be somewhat competitive in that secondary. And, of course, they also have a guy in Odafe Owe who – Oh, not not Odafe Owe. It was David Ojabo, who the rookie from last year from Michigan, who was dealing with an Achilles rupture. So maybe he comes up to play. Maybe he becomes that uh, freak of an athlete that he was at Michigan for the Baltimore Ravens defense. And you look at that offense as well. You talk about injuries. I bring back up Odell Beckham. Because he himself is coming back from that ACL tear that he had in the Super Bowl. It sidelined him for basically the entirety of last season as he spent the entirety of last season as a free agent. The closest he got to was the Dallas Cowboys when they were absolutely desperate for a wide receiver. And even they said he was not healthy enough to be a starting wide receiver for them. You have a guy in J.K. Dobbins who every single year just can't help himself and goes down with injury. And of course, Lamar Jackson hasn't finished the season in the last two years as well. So there's a lot of question marks for this uh, Baltimore Ravens team in general. And it's the main question is, can they stay healthy? And unfortunately, that's just something I think that John Harbaugh and his team doesn't really have 
full control of. Uh, if you have any thoughts, go ahead, text us and call us at 808-296-1420. Is there a team that you're looking out, out there that could possibly compete with the Kansas City Chiefs in that AFC? Uh, who knows out there? But just going to remind everyone, hey, to stay cool this summer. Get the new Bosch Inverter Central Air Conditioning System, and you can qualify for a $1,000 Hawaii energy rebate. Visit BoschHeatingAndCooling.com. This is Let's Talk Sports on ESPN Honolulu. Let's Talk Sports on ESPN Honolulu. Tanner Hayworth filling in for Kanoa Leahy. A little bit of fun, uh, good uh, news for Hawaii football players. This is more football players from the state of Hawaii. Uh, Jordan Ta'amu, a very successful quarterback in both uh, the in, in the XFL and both renditions of the XFL. He's found his way onto another NFL roster. This time he is signing with the Minnesota Vikings, so he'll find his way into that quarterback room with uh, Kirk Cousins and others. Can't really think of other Minnesota Vikings quarterbacks as the one guy who I always would think of would would have been uh, Kellen Mond, but he's on the Cleveland Browns. So maybe Jordan Ta'amu finds his way as a backup or at least a third-string guy for that Minnesota Vikings team. And who knows? He adds another uh, dimension that certainly Kirk Cousins doesn't add to that team and having a slightly more mobile quarterback. Now, going on into the NFL, because there are a lot of players in, uh, at least from Hawaii, that you can focus on for the rest of this weekend. Uh, I think I had already highlighted uh, from the Cincinnati Bengals, Andre Yosibosh, but there's certainly a grand number more to look at. Uh, obviously, on the Miami Dolphins, we're unsure if this will be the one game Tua Tungavailoa comes out. If it won't be this week, it'll certainly be next week. But another guy to watch is on the offensive line, Alamo Luave. He certainly is a member of that Miami Dolphins offensive line, one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL for sure. So Alamo Luave, the center out of San Diego State, he'll look to at least you know, help out there. He had a really great block on a pull as a center. That's very impressive. Uh, you have on the the team I can think of immediately right now are the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have a large number of Hawaii players. You have the Herbig brothers, uh, Nate and Nick, one on the offensive line and one as the pass rusher from Wisconsin, as well as Braden Fehoko and Isaac Sayumalo. So a lot of linemen love for the Pittsburgh Steelers from uh, the guys from Hawaii. For the New England Patriots, they have a nice trio as well. You have both of the Jelani brothers, Justice, oh, both of the Tavai brothers, sorry, Jelani and Justice, uh, the linebacker and defensive lineman. And earlier this week, Micah Vanderpool gets signed to the New England Patriots. Now, he kind of had a later start to the preseason. He was getting worked out a lot in the pre-draft process by the New England Patriots. Doesn't get drafted. Uh, signs to a USFL team late into the season. And he's brought on, uh, I think this was Sunday night or Monday morning, on to the New England Patriots what he brings to the table. Well, he has he didn't allow a sack at all in 2022 uh, for the University of Hawaii. He also brings versatility because he's played every single position on the offensive line except for center. He's got a good NFL body. So it's just up to him to hopefully either make the team, uh, whether it be through being a second-string guy, special teams guy, heck, even a practice squad guy. There's uh, 
whole number of Hawaii players that have survived through the NFL due to that practice squad. You think of guys like Marcus Kemp, uh, Trayvon Henderson, Kirkwood as well. So there's certainly a lot of guys um, out there that you know have used that to their advantage. Uh, but certainly there are a lot of really great teams to watch. One game that I will make sure that I'll catch somehow because I don't think it's getting broadcasted, but I'll somehow find a full uh, play of it um, is the Denver Broncos at the San Francisco 49ers where you have Il Manning, who as an undrafted free agent as well, uh, he was a starting left tackle for the University of Hawaii for what felt like half a decade. But he goes out there. He's, what, 6'2", 6'3", 290 on a good day. Definitely not the body of an NFL tackle. But he went out there last week and showed that he was the best depth offensive lineman that they had in an absolutely disgusting game against the Las Vegas Raiders where it felt like it was a sack after a sack after a sack. Well, Il Manning comes out of all of that as the best offensive lineman, has an offensive lineman, a passing rating, rather, a pass block rating of around 85.9, something high like that. And he's definitely enthralled a lot of the uh, San Francisco 49ers analysts and fans. He had one guy, I think it was like yesterday morning or uh, the late night two days ago, who basically put out as much of the all-22 footage of Il Manning as possible as he was showing off really great technique here and there. From what it sounds like as an undrafted free agent, a lot of people seem very confident that Il Manning will make this 53-man squad. Sure, he has to sit behind Trent Williams, probably the best offensive lineman in the NFL right now, but if there's a guy to sit behind and learn from, it's probably the best. Uh, 808-296-1420 is that number to call or text us. Um, In the NFL, I think, There is, looking at it, there is a lot of intrigue, for me at least, in a lot of these rookies. I brought up the Dolphins a little bit ago. They're playing the Texans. I think C.J. Stroud is a quarterback that a lot of people will be watching this weekend to make a big bounce back. He had an absolute kind of a really terrible, terrible first quarter in that New England Patriots preseason game. We're on the first drive. He looks absolutely lost, throws up the ball straight to a New England defender and just never found a way to get back or just to even find any kind of rhythm uh, going against the backups in New England. So maybe going against the backups with the Dolphins, you hope that he can get into a nice little rhythm because they have a couple of really good weapons. They have guys like from the University of Houston, Tank Dell, who looks to be a favorite to at least be a starting wide receiver for in for that Houston Texans offense. He's been very shifty. He has very good hands as well. And Even though he is short, he does wear the name Tank uh, very well. They also have a very good running back in Damian Pierce, who, as a power back, did very well for the Houston Texans. Uh, I'm excited to see if C.J. Stroud bounces back, but in my my, uh, analysis with the NFL draft a couple of months ago, 
CJ Stroud wasn't really one of my favorite guys. He definitely was behind the Bryce Youngs and the Anthony Richardsons, in my opinion, in terms of quarterback prospects. But that doesn't mean I want to see him fail. I want to see him get out of this rut, and I want to see him develop because I think the Houston Texans can be a very fun team, especially when you look at that defense. You have their head coach, uh, D'Amico Ryans, who makes his return to Houston because he was a former player with the Texans uh, back in the day day and they have an absolute stud leading that defense with their new rookie will anderson jr a guy that who they use the uh i believe that was the second overall pick because they did that whole blockbuster trade uh when they had the second overall pick and they used their other uh number 10 pick to trade up with the arizona cardinals for number three in an absolute amazing move that you would really only see in like the, a Madden video game. Uh, you see that move made out. They have their franchise pass rusher. They hopefully get their franchise quarterback in ZJ Stroud as well. But much like for um, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson, all of this really wouldn't matter. Uh, all this, yeah, all this really wouldn't matter if the offensive line doesn't block well. Uh, but yeah, that's what I'll be watching out for. Those rookies. I'm watching for Andre Yosivash as well. I'm watching for Alama Uluwave. Of course, I have to watch for them. They're only my classmates after all. So I'll do my very best to keep up my bias as strong as possible. This is Let's Talk Sports on ESPN Honolulu. Right after this break, we'll be joined by Tiff Wells to talk some Rainbow Wahine volleyball. Is the three-peat a guarantee or is there going to be a little bit of a challenge from somebody in the Big West? Uh, We'll answer that question on the other side of this break. This is ESPN Honolulu. This is Let's Talk Sports on ESPN Honolulu. Tanner Hayworth in for Kanoa Leahy. Right before we get to TIFF, we do have someone texting on the line to tell me how to pronounce uh, Andre Yoshibash's last name. Um, I understand how to pronounce my classmate's name. I've known him since the sixth grade, and I appreciate the help, but I like to think I know how to pronounce the guy who i known for several years, so over a decade it feels like at this point. I feel like I know how to pronounce his name. But on the other hand, let's go ahead and talk about some Rainbow Wahine volleyball here. On the line, we have the man, the myth, the legend, play-by-play caller for Rain- for the University of Hawaii for both Rainbow Wahine and Rainbow Warrior Volleyball, Tiff Wells. Tiff, how's it going? Tanner, your check is in the mail. Happy Friday. How are we doing? <laughs> doing awesome. I'm sure we're doing a lot better. I mean, I'm not sure to say... Like we're doing a lot better after the Big West put out their preseason polls for the women's volleyball because I'm sure we all knew what the result was going to be with Hawaii basically getting the unanimous vote for first place. Is that fair to say? Fair to say. I mean, 10 of the 11 votes and, you know, coaches can't pick their own team in the poll. So out when you look at what all the coaches feel uh, with the returning talent and the influx of freshmen and transfers, uh, coming into all the programs, everybody in the Big West feels that uh, Hawaii, who has won three straight conference regular season titles, is a pretty clear-cut favorite to win for a fourth consecutive season played. Right, and I was trying to remember the exact number from before because I saw on the Big West official tweet they say repeat, but in my mind I'm like, I thought we've won three in a row. 
but thank you for that to say four in a row there <laughs> at that point. Um, but with the points, with the uh, uh, predicted order of finish, you have UC Santa Barbara at two and Long Beach State with the only other first place vote at third. Is there another team? Are you expecting another team to come out and really compete for that number one spot? You know, when you look at those top four teams, I and mean, you mentioned Hawaii, UC Santa Barbara, and Long Beach, only one point uh, differentiates two and three between Santa Barbara and, and Long Beach. And even fourth, we look at Cal Poly from I mean, two, three, and four, uh, separated by, by a point each. I mean, Santa Barbara, 83 points, Long Beach, 82 points, Cal Poly, 81. So, I mean, it just when you, look at the, when you look at those numbers and you see what the coaches feel, they kind of feel that two, three, and four are, for the most part, interchangeable. And especially with how the conference now has restructured uh, the conference schedule with now having 18 matches, so it's an imbalance. Uh, schedule Hawaii will be going to Santa Barbara, Long Beach, and Cal Poly. All three of those teams uh, will be coming out here to Honolulu at some point in the season. So I mean, you look at the, you look at Hawaii being at the top, and then the next group of three teams could almost be interchangeable in a sense. Right, and then I was gonna say something a little bit at the end of my last question, but then I totally forgot that this. Season. This is the first year of the Big West, the women's volleyball tournament, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So it, it is. And- this is mostly the fight for the seeding now, instead of the fight for the one auto bid into the NCAA's. For the most part, I mean, you, there there have been a handful of seasons, and when when Hawaii didn't win the Big West uh, in 2017 and 18 because they won it in. 1921 and 22, 2020, the West, of course, didn't have a season because they chose not to play. Right. Uh, Hawaii did get it. Hawaii was the benefit of an at-large bid when Cal Poly won the league title in, in 16 and 17. So I think with moving to a conference tournament format, you're also giving opportunities to other teams to experience postseason play. Granted, it's in your conference tournament. But it also highlights once you get into the later part of October and the last week of November, you're giving other teams opportunities to play for something that maybe wouldn't have a chance to maybe finish top top one or top two or maybe top three, but get an, get an opportunity to you know fight for that fifth, sixth seed into a conference tournament and just give sort of everybody opportunities for postseason play once you hit late October, early November, because you're playing for something. Right. And when you look, so you mentioned in the top four teams, or at least two through four, uh, you it's one or two points separating each team. Is there a team that's out of that top four that could be a potential kind of trap game in the future of this Big West schedule? I think when you when you look at the schedule, I think for when Hawaii travels on the road in mid-October and because of this unbalanced schedule and you're only playing uh, UC Davis one time and Hawaii has to go to UC Davis and, and instead of having Davis as a, say, quote-unquote, standalone week for a travel game, Hawaii will be on the road Friday, Saturday, they will stay on the road Sunday, Monday, and they play at UC Davis on, on a Tuesday in, in mid-October, but you go Santa Barbara, Cal Poly, and UC Davis, and you just look at the preseason poll, that's that's what, two, four, and five. In the last couple of years, sure, Hawaii won at Cal Poly uh, last year, but it's been an interesting experience for Hawaii when they've gone to 
San Luis Obispo the last handful of years. It's a it's a sold out environment. It is a very loud crowd. And outside of last year, Hawaii has had some issues playing at at Cal Poly. Sure, they've had a couple against UC Davis where they've gone to five sets. But I look at that road trip where you're playing. Friday, Saturday, Tuesday, and it's not easy to get to the Central Coast. You're either flying to San Jose and driving down, or you're going into L.A. and driving up north. That That is a pretty tough trip for Hawaii to play those three matches in, in five days. Right, so you could say that their trips to Cal Poly really slow them down on the court, is what you're saying, Tim. <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 the last couple of years, it, 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 that that part has proven tough. <laughs> we're, we're being joined by Tiff Wells, play-by-play caller for Rainbow Wahine Volleyball, as well as men's volleyball. You might have heard him a couple of times here and there on the radio station here. Uh, also included in the preseason poll, you have the preseason coaches team. And no surprise, we have some good yeah. representation for the University of Hawaii in the reigning player of the year, Amber Ayajidi. You also have the reigning freshman of the year, Kaylin Alexander. Oh, yeah, and also the reigning setter of the year in Kate Lang. So that's a pretty good trio to kind of be headlined by for the University of Hawaii, is it not? It, it really is. And, you know, a lot is expected of those three you mentioned, but more so with the experience that setter from Kate Lang and, and for what Amber Ayajidi has done for her Rainbow Wahine career. And, and kudos to her because there were a lot of schools that were – trying to sway and have her come and join her come and join their team for this season as a as a possible transfer. So kudos for her to, for for staying for the whole for the whole four years and granted for with COVID with, with twenty twenty. But a lot is expected of her and I think with the influx of freshmen and with transfers, most notably with Paula Gershing out of Youngstown State, I think the offense will be better than last year and I think because of who you're adding and a lot of these offensive pieces, it gives the coaching staff opportunities to maybe work with some different lineup combinations. I mean, people have already thrown out uh, five hitters, one setter, which we saw a lot last year. You could also have a situation where you run a two setter offense. You run six hitters uh, in your rotation, three in the front row at all times, and maybe take a little less offensive pressure off of Amber IGD's and give some of those opportunities to other players to make maybe a more balanced offense so that Amber's not having to face two, three hitters every single time. And that's not to say that Amber could be a six-rotation middle blocker at some point in this in this season. So it just gives the coaching staff a lot of flexibility and a lot of leeway for rotations and lineups to play with because, like you said, once we get the conference play Every match is important trying to get at least a top two seed in the conference tournament to get yourself that bye into semifinal Friday. Right, and you mentioned a couple of names that I wanted to highlight in possible names that we could be seeing at the end of the year for the Big West women's volleyball team. I mean, is there a chance that, what, you can get like a max, like what, five or six uh, girls onto this team or what? <laughs> you could, uh, I mean, d- d- depending if you know, depending if it's a fourteen or sixteen team uh, all conference squad, and, and of course, <laughs> depend- of course, depending on how Hawaii does in in the conference play and all of that, you you can see multiple players uh, making all conference and just you know seeing how they do during the season. You could have a say, a legitimate case for 
major awards from say the head coach from player of the year, maybe setter of the year. And it's it, it, the, the depth and the talent pool of this roster is, has been upgraded. And, the, and it's no disrespect to who has graduated, who has uh, opted to leave the program uh, for whatever reason it may be uh, for what this, what this coaching staff has done. They've gone through the transfer portal and they have brought in a, they brought in some highly recruited athletes, whether they're freshmen, whether they're transfers. So they've really hit the recruiting trail hard. They've really hit the transfer portal hard, and they're trying to take that next step, which is to play into the second week at least of the NCAA tournament and possibly beyond. Just have to wait and see, and maybe get to host the sub-regional again this year. You never know. Right, and I want to talk about Paul Gershing, the uh, transfer from Youngstown State, the so she comes from, you know, a place where a big game is probably a couple of hundred people in Youngstown State. And now she's yeah. going to come here to the University of Hawaii where probably like kind of a mid-level game probably brings around probably a couple of thousand on a good day. I mean, what have you seen? Are you expecting kind of another year that she had last year where she was that honorable mention all American, one of the best players to come out of the young out of the division that Youngstown State is playing in that has uh, unfortunately escaped my mind here? I couldn't remember the division off the top of my head, but are you expecting a kind of a good repeat for Paula Gershing now that she's coming over to the Big West? For her to repeat what she did last year, and, and that was special. I mean, she was top 10 in total kill. This is, this is the NCAA. She was top 10 in total kills, kills per set, points, and points per set. So it, I don't know if it's going to be at that level because of who she's surrounded by offensively. If, if that was the case, and, and Amber, Amber has, and Amber IGD has the same offensive year that she had a year ago, it could be very special. Uh, for what Paula Gershing did last year, and, and she's mentioned it multiple times, that the reason she chose to come to Hawaii, like you said, was the crowd. And for what Youngstown State average was about maybe 250, 300 per match. And Hawaii easily gets that in the first uh, 15, 20 minutes uh, in warm-up. And, and I think it's a testament to the fan base, to the crowd, and just the history of this program that, it came down to Hawaii and USC for Paula Gershing, and she chose to come to Hawaii to play and showcase her talents in front of people that, A, loved the sport, cared for the sport, and wanted to support the whole program as a whole. And I think the fan base has to be commended for what they have built over the years. And because of them, they have basically helped to land one of the top hitters uh, out of the transfer portal awesome. a year ago. Awesome. Well, Tiff, it's been awesome talking with you. Can't wait for what? Is, it's already next week is the first it game is, of the season? It is next week, Friday, Northwestern, number nine, Oregon. And in between that is number 13, San Diego, as part of the Hawaiian Airlines Rainbow Wahine Classic. So let, a week away and add a couple of hours. And uh, we've got volleyball on the island very, very soon. Awesome. Well, awesome talking with you, Tiff. Can't wait to see you and hear from you, especially on the radio waves for that talk. Well, have a great one today. Enjoy your weekend, Tanner. Take care. I'll try my best. That was Tiff Wells, play-by-play caller for Rainbow Wahine Volleyball. Also does men's volleyball uh, in the spring as well. We got one more segment coming up. Uh, this is Let's Talk Sports on ESPN Honolulu.
Let's talk sports on ESPN Honolulu. Tanner Hayworth in for Kanoa Leahy. It's been a pretty great show. We just finished talking with Tiff Wells about Rainbow Wahine Volleyball. And like we said, next week is the start of the season for Rainbow Wahine Volleyball. That will be against Northwestern, a team that is... Certainly dealing with a lot of other issues uh, with Northwestern just generally not having a great time in their athletics offices. Uh, 808-296-1420 is the number you can call or text us. Um, there is there's – I'm going to talk about the best or worst here, and that's probably kind of one of the worst transitions into the best and the worst. So I could have a, like a 1A there. Worst is that transition going into there. And this is my 1B, my true worst of the day. Uh, Brent McMurphy, uh, one of the, I would say, one of my favorite uh, college football insiders. He does basically everything. Uh, great follow on Twitter, uh, Brett underscore McMurphy. And he's been doing this very fun kind of post, which every single conference, he asks the head coach who their favorite musical artist is. And, you know... It's really easy to read these lists and look at a uh, college football head coach's uh, musical favorite musical artist and say, oh, man, Kenny Dillingham from Arizona State, your favorite musical artist is Train, famed maker of Soul Sister, which is, in my opinion, a very fun and catchy song. But I know to the general mainstream, that's not a very popular song, apparently. That's something that I've found out over the last couple of years. So saying that Train is your favorite musical artist is probably an easier way to say that's your worst of the day. I'm going to say, though, my worst here is Deion Sanders. He is the only FBS coach of all 133 FBS college football teams that would not answer the question. You have guys like Craig Bowl out there who, you know, proudly reps uh, the Eagles. You got Timmy Chang, you know, repping Fiji. You got Kalen DeBoer from Washington, Journey. You got Mumford and Sons from both Chip Kelly and Dan Lanning. There's something that I'm missing out there. I'm not a big Mumford and Sons guy. But Deion Sanders, how hard is it for you to just say any musical artist or just answer the man's question? It's off-season football. Have some fun. Or maybe he's just too busy telling his uh, college football teams to get in a bunch of fights. Who knows? Uh, definitely not a very great thing going on down there. And my best, I'm going to have to say high school football. Because I know I think I said that pretty much exactly the same last week. But right now I'm sitting enjoying myself and I'm watching a little bit of Georgia high school football thanks to ESPN2 broadcasting that between uh, Langston Hughes and Carrollton. Uh, certainly not huge names in the high school football world, but there's a lot of really great commits going on. You have this guy, I can't remember what his last name is, this quarterback from Langston Hughes whose first name is like Ayer, which is awesome. He's going to Ohio State next year. But I think the best thing is that even though they have this bevy of talent just surrounding both of these teams, they like their collection of high school athletes that are committed to uh, a number of national powerhouses in the college football world from coast to coast, 
yet their high school kickers are like most high school kickers that you'll find across the country. It's, I just find that more of a funny best. It's more of a haha best than more of an interesting best. I'll also give a quick shout out to Colton Wong, who, uh, has signed a minor league contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I was talking about this with Josh Pacheco a little bit before the show. It is a little sad that it's only a minor league contract for a guy like Colton Wong, but for the season that he's had, I guess the LA Dodgers want to see something more out of him, want to see him develop a rhythm to get back into some kind of hitting rhythm before they could even possibly think of either pulling him up for at least the end of the regular season, or who even knows if someone gets hurt, he could be a very good defensive replacement as well. Well, that'll just about do it for us. Uh, this is, you know, thank you very much for having me filling in for Kanoa Leahy. This is Let's Talk Sports on ESPN Honolulu 92.7 FM and 1420 AM.